Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. In Web3, we're really only limited by our imagination and our ability to execute. That's it. If you can imagine it and you can execute it, you can do it. And Web3 has a way to do it. It's just finding the right platform to do it on, finding the right people to do it with. It's so powerful and I'm so excited about it because I think it just puts so much power back into the hands of the artist. Three, two, one. My name is Spree Devora host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi, this is Joe Peterson. I'm the Vice President of Cloud and Security with Clarify 360. I've been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about a year, and I was drawn in by the energy and enthusiasm of the Women in Tech podcast. Esprit does a really great job in sharing stories of women in tech so that young female listeners can put themselves in the shoes of these women speaking. See, I strongly believe that if we don't show young women the way forward in tech by sharing our stories, then they won't know what's possible. The stories are what creates the value and inspiration. Great job, guys. Welcome to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech from around the world. Hello, hello. I am Felice Lazay, and I am a producer, singer, songwriter, and entrepreneur, founder of my content production company, Sweet Spot Sounds, and director of community and artist relations at Burble, a Web3 entertainment studio. I am guest hosting for my very, very good friend, Esprit Devora, and I am so excited to be here with you today, chatting with Lisa Cardinal in London, Canada. She is the director of product marketing and community manager at Record Shop, a Web3 curated digital collectibles platform built by and for musicians. Also, she's known as Redbird in the Web3 spaces. We've talked quite a bit on these Web3 spaces on Twitter and various platforms of that nature. And I'm really excited to actually get to connect because I am so passionate and eager to build, really rebuild the music industry and entertainment industry on these Web3 platforms and spaces, utilizing blockchain technology, because I firmly believe that this technology will help revolutionize entertainment and allow for a more equitable future for artists around the world of all different mediums. So let's get into it. I am so excited to talk with you because We've been meaning to get together and talk, and so why not talk in a public forum where we can learn more about you and you could share all your talents with the world? So, Lisa, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Thanks. Yeah, I'm so excited we get to talk, too. You know, we've been following each other on Twitter for a while now, and uh, I'm just so impressed with everything you're doing. So it's great that our first time that we're really going at it is here live 
on the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, my name is Lisa, aka Redbird. Um, and I'm a community manager and I also work in marketing and I've just started working out, uh, working on product as well at Record Shop, which is a, a digital collectibles platform for music. Um, and we really try to avoid the word NFT, even though our technology is really built on NFTs um, and on blockchain. So, uh, but my days are really, I'm bouncing between our Discord, our Twitter. Um, I talk with artists about their strategy and I'm just starting to get more involved on the product side. So doing things uh, like working with the developers to give them requirements. For example, we're building out a more robust reward system for artists and collectors right now. I love it. I love that you said you're getting away from calling it an NFT because there's nothing wrong with NFTs. The technology behind NFTs is what all the uh, Web3 innovations and blockchain technology are really being built on. But I think that calling the the product itself and you're and you're getting into product calling it an NFT kind of just I think it has a, a bad stigma because you know people got very excited <laughs> or, and everybody was talking about NFTs but really it's not about the NFT it's about utilizing the technology to power the music and it's the same thing that we've been doing for not eons but for a really long time <laughs> with records and collecting like records you know and now it's just in a digital format so can you tell us a little bit more about that because there's a lot of listeners who don't really understand what that means digital collectibles yeah, for sure. So the company I work for is called Record Shop. It's called Record Shop, but it's spelled without any of the vowels, R-C-R-D-S-H-P. So it's a little confusing. <laughs> but um, you, I think you use the perfect example is, is vinyls and those records that people used to collect and still to this day collect. Even though, and what's funny right now when you're collecting vinyls is a lot of people don't even own the technology to play it on, which is a record player. So you collect it literally just for that, the ability to be able to say, hey, look at this awesome piece of um, uh, <laughs> a collectible, <laughs> this awesome like <laughs> piece that I own that represents this artist that I really, really love. So we take that same concept and like, I don't know how a vinyl record is made. I have no clue, right? So when we're talking about NFTs, like that's, similar to talking about the actual vinyl and like how they turn the the carbon into vinyl and press the music. Like we don't know how that happens. Your average person does not know how any of that works. Same thing when we think about Spotify, like people don't really need to know how that music is getting into Spotify and how they're listening to it. They just need to know that it works and that they get to connect with the things that they really love, which is the same thing we want to do at Record Shop. Um, and it has been we've kind of gone back and forth with the term NFT and our relationship with it. Um, we started really, really strongly talking about NFTs and then we backed off of it for a little while and then started again kind of early 2022 talking about it a little bit more and saying, okay, no, it's time. Uh, people who aren't familiar with Web3 and NFTs, they're ready. They're ready for this word. <laughs> But we learned that they're not. Are they? Are they ready? <laughs> <laughs> they're not ready. They're not ready. No. Uh, so now we've reverted back and we're pretty firmly not using that word most of the time, um, unless we're in like a very Web3 community and we're talking about the technology. Um, otherwise, we're trying to avoid it just because it's not necessary. 
No, you're so right. Okay, so I'm the that weird person that actually has a record player and records behind me over there. I just turned my computer so she could see. Um, but and I also am that weird nerd who I I'm, I started as an audio engineer, so I do know the process. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get you all into the process <laughs> of making vinyl. But the point that's a great example. You don't need to know how vinyl records are made to enjoy the product. And that's the same thing with all of the things being built in Web3, Metaverse, virtual reality. Uh, all of that technology is, it's not necessary to understand the, the, you know, the bones of it to enjoy it. You just need to know how to interact with it. And so I think I'm really glad that digital collectibles, that term is coming up because it's, it's a, a behavior change that just has to happen um, in consumers where we're utilizing, you know, the same thing that we did with records now in a virtual space and creating utilities that make it more fun. Because, like, imagine if you had, your records had, like, utilities to them, like, you know, you could do, like, you could unlock experiences with the artist by owning the record. Um, or you own the record, you own the physical item of the record. If you sold that record to a record store, the artist doesn't make any money off of that. But if you had an NFT attached to it, now it is recorded on the blockchain. And so like, that's what I always tell people too. So what are, what, how are you exploring like how to make that experience matter to consumers in terms of like the utilities that are unlocked from getting that, like what's in it for them to collect this digital collectible? Great question. The main thing and what I really love about the flexibility of the record shop platform is that it's really all in the hands of the artist um, and what they want to do. So we recently had Paul Van Dyke drop on record shop and he dropped a, a 100 mint limit. So he only created 100 copies of this for anybody who's not familiar with the term mint. Um, that just means how many copies there are. And he attached with that a utility of, you know, hold on to this collectible until January 15th. And on January 15th, I'm going to ask for your address and I'm going to mail you out a vinyl copy. So now you get that in real life uh, collectible along with your digital collectible. Um, and as much as like they're going to be, I assume, fairly similar, although I he might be signing the um, the in real life collectibles. But I think you made a good point of you know ha owning all of those vinyls and the big difference with the digital, with the power that the technology has is our artists actually know who you are. So they're able to reach out to you. They're able to send you little surprises here and there. Um, our founder is also one of the artists on our platform, Obi Fernandez, and he just dropped to his collectors a set that he played in Mexico recently. So now we got extra music just for continuing to hold on to his collectibles where had I purchased that, um, you know, a CD when I went and saw him live, I wouldn't be able to get any other interaction with him. I'm not able to build a further relationship with him um, in a way that like it is absolutely uh, obvious. And like he can see, yeah, I'm holding on to this thing and I really love this thing because he can see things like how often I'm playing it or, you know, how often I'm um, pumping him up to other people. So it's really, really cool with what we're going to be able to do and the relationships we're going to be able to build. And that's something that's been my focus specifically the whole time I've been with Record Shop is the experience side and what can we build? What can we do that's different 
that you wouldn't be able to do with any other type of collectible because just for the simple fact that they know who you are. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I've I've thought about that too, um, putting out, that's one of, I'm figuring out how I want to release music in Web3. I've already done a NFT uh, or a token gated access pass. Um, that's one of the things I do too, is is letting people know it's tokenization really. And it's just that it's a non-fungible, that's all. Yeah. And it was, and that was really fun, but I've thought about that with a vinyl record, like, like attaching an NFT to it. Are you all exploring actually putting the contract on the record itself so that someone who has the physical item can track it back to the blockchain if they want to have like, like for instance, provenance, like if they give it to somebody else, you'll know who owned it first and be able to track it that way. Um, I know there was one of the rewards and sorry, part of the part, part of the problem of why I'm having a struggle to answer this is just, there's so many things going on at record shop that sometimes it's hard to keep track of everything. <laughs> so they're, yeah, they're, somebody has, um, has said that they were going to do that. They're going to stamp the address on the vinyl. I just can't remember if that was specifically Paul Van Dyke, but yeah, there's a lot of cool, even like something like a QR code that sends you there. You know, there's a lot of ways to do it. Uh, one other thing I absolutely love is being able to connect with our community and just ask, like simply ask, what do you guys want? You know, I'm getting ready to send this to print. What do you want? Like, why not ask them instead of trying to assume that you know what they want? They're right here at our fingertips. That's so cool. That's really, really cool. So how did you get into this space? Like, what brought you into the tech world in general and then into the Web3 world? Or was the Web3 world your entrance into the tech world? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I... I'll kind of reverse back to the beginning of my career. And even like before I went to university, my my jobs had really been around children, babysitting and day camps and after school programs. So I assumed, oh, yes, I'll be a teacher. Um, so I went through a four-year university program and then I did my one-year teacher's degree here in Canada. That's how it works. And it was literally my first day in the classroom. And I was just standing up there and I was like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> so I was like, all right, that's five years, five years of education. Um, sort of, I don't know, not down the drain, but just like, that's not at all what I want to do. Oh, shit. So <laughs> um, I was, I, I um, at, but as part of that, that like totally helped me get into technology. Um, one of the, my neighbors who I actually babysat for and tutored her kids. Um, she had a tech startup and was looking for a project coordinator. And because we had built this great relationship and she knew enough about me to know that I was at least reliable enough to show up on time and committed to doing things. Um, she said, Hey, why don't you come try it out? So we did the, you know, um, we started working together and I moved up really quickly in the company I, you know, went from project coordinator to project manager to operations manager eventually and managing all of the company's contracts and um, budgets and a lot of great stuff towards the end of it. Uh, and I think one of the catalysts to being able to um, progress so quickly was just my willingness to try things and to just own things that maybe were slightly outside of my scope. Um, for example, our system was managing customer surveys. So one day I got really fed up of asking the developers to change the wording of questions. 
because it would take them, you know, a day to get back and change one question. So I was like, hey, can you just show me how to do it? <laughs> and they open up like a literal SQL database and they're like, okay, so you, you have to use this query and blah, blah, And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so, I was terrified that I was going to like crash the entire thing. Um, but slowly over time, you know, <laughs> they just taught me, they taught me how to use it and how to create questions. And, and it, it just grew and grew and grew. And I just really fell in love with what technology was able to do. And uh, after that, I moved to Canada's largest fitness company in their IT department, Good Life Fitness. Um, and I was in their IT department. And there I worked as a, what we called a business analyst, but it was more along the lines of a product owner. So really working with stakeholders within the company, all the different uh, departments, and helping them build technology solutions that help solve problems. Um, for example, I worked on the website that we sell uh, or we sold any corporate membership on, any discounted membership. I got to build that with a team of developers and that was really cool. And a big part of that was just really breaking down and understanding all of the processes of that team who used to be doing it um, much more manually and digitizing that and giving it real great access to our members to be able to do that online. Um, and then from there, I moved to that company's charity and actually I stepped out of tech for a year or two years. Um, and I moved to the charity division where I launched a, pro a program across Canada for youth with intellectual disabilities and autism to uh, have access to a physical activity program. And when I moved into that position, I was like, all right, well, there goes IT. Um, there goes technology. Now I'm moving into charity. Great. And like more into fitness. January 2020 is when I started there. So the pandemic hit. Pandemic hit and we had to flip it to online programming because we had been planning to do it all in the clubs that already existed. We moved everything over to all of my planning now was, okay, how do we do this? How do we deliver this digitally? I hired coaches again across Canada and the I just learned so much from that experience and I was not expecting it to be so tech, technologically heavy. So I'm really glad I came in with that background. Uh, and then I found Record Shop about a year ago. Actually, my one year is coming up in about a week. Um, so I found <laughs> I found it a, a longer than a year ago because they had been around. We found it um, the day before they launched their first pack drop. And we just heard about this NFT project because they're all called projects at that time. Um, now I refer to it as a platform. But it's this NFT project that wants to help artists make money. And I was like, okay, that's an interesting concept because my husband had been into NBA Top Shot, which is a NFT platform for sports, um, specifically the NBA. Um, so if you're into sports, then that's cool, but not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, heard, I've definitely heard of it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so sports is not my, not something I'm interested in. Um, but obviously for digital collectibles, a huge a, like a, a no-brainer market to move into. Um, so then we heard about this music collectibles. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's really cool. All right. So I got super, super involved, bought like a ton of packs the first day. I uh, was involved in every drop afterwards. And I got really involved in the community. Um, the early days of the platform, it was really hard to track the prices that you were selling things for or, or that things were selling for. So I built a Google spreadsheet that we... Uh, me and a couple other community members would go in. We'd update every single day. We'd go in and tippity tap and update it. Um, and eventually, it, I reached out to Ob, our founder, and said, "Hey, here's 
here are my skills. I'd really love to work with you guys. And he pointed me in the direction of our, the chief product officer at the time. Um, and we chatted and, you know, he didn't really have a spot open on his team at the time. Uh, and then a few weeks later, I hear back and another team is looking for someone, but the salary range was just like way too low. And I, I could not uh, move, like it was just too risky for me to move. Um, and then I <laughs> chatted with yet another person who was looking for someone to manage their community and to go on Twitch and interview artists. And I'm like, oh man, I'm an introvert. Like that sounds terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> but I have, but I have a background in theater. So he was like, you know what? You sound like uh, this would be a great job for you. And I was like, uh. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll Look try you it. Now. <laughs> <laughs> and now, yeah, now I have no fear of it. So um, yeah, it was a really, really funny way to get into it. And uh, just now, almost, you know, 11 months later, I'm starting to get more into the technology side of it. So it's all coming around. It's all coming around. There's so many things to explore with that story. Um, uh, but one of one of the things I, I just got from you is something that I think a lot of people uh, who aren't into tech, the tech world, and especially web, the Web3 world, which is even more niche than the tech world, is that eventually I think as, hum- as a human race, humanity, we have to blur the line between tech being separate from just regular life. And I say that to like save us actually, not to destroy us (laughs) because, you know, like we don't want to be stuck in our phones. So the better that tech is integrated into our life in a way that doesn't take us away from the world, I think it's a better thing. So I like that you were talking about like that you went away from tech, but then you ended up right back in it because especially with like the pandemic, it made us aware that we need to know how to connect the world more you know, together, whether we're in person together or not. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. So I love that you brought that up. But the thing that another thing that really jumped out at me that I wanted to find out from you is, I think most of the time when I'm talking to others who are in the entrepreneurial space or, or the tech space, which there's a lot of that, you know, entrepreneurial spirit because of startups and things like that. It's very similar to being an independent artist or just an artist of, you know what, I'm not going to even say independent. Let's just say artist overall, whether you're independent or you're signed, it's all, it's all a very, it's all the same journey. It takes some bravery and, you know, trust in your intuition and a, and a keen, like, sense of curiosity and a willingness to explore the unknown. What has allowed you to embrace exploring the unknown because all that whole story just went all over the place and you had to kind of just go on the ride with it and say, I will go with you. How did, how have you been able to um, nurture that sense of, you know, exploration um, in yourself? Yeah. Well, that's a really good question. I love it. I think you're really touching on like the curiosity of, like I, I'm just curious on how things can go and what I can bring to it. I also learned that first job that I spoke about, it was in the automotive industry, which I realized is not somewhere that I want to be. While I was there, I made a commitment to myself that I'm only going to work at places that really speak to me in my core um, because it was a little bit soul sucking, not going to lie to work in an industry that is not aligned with your values, especially for me, because I will dive into something and I will learn all about it. 
Um, so that has been something really important to me to understand about myself as I need that connection. Um, when I moved to the fitness industry, even though I was in technology and I didn't really like work at clubs and I didn't really see the impact that we had on the fitness of Canadians, that was such an important part of the core of the company. And, you know, all of the conversations that we had at the executive level that I was involved in, I could just, I I felt this like sense that we really just want to give people the opportunity to live a fit and healthy life. And, um, that really spoke to me. So I think the, the curiosity is really, really important. Um, and also making sure we're setting really good, like very reasonable expectations of ourselves. Um, I've, I've found that to be a huge skill that I have is to not create these insane expectations, whether it's of myself or people I work with or the situation I'm going into just to set those very realistic, not to get like crazy excited. Um, for example, for this podcast, like I'm I was so excited to do this and can't wait to talk. And I had a, had a good sense of how the conversation was going to go, prepared myself, listened to a couple other episodes. You know, you sent me some questions in advance just so I could like wrap my head around it, which thank you very much. And so that, that just helped me set those expectations of, okay, I know how it's going to go. You know, she's not going to surprise me with anything as much as I, you know, hope that this episode does really, really well. And everybody in the world listens to it. My expectation is realistically, it's going to be aligned with what the other, the rest of the listening audiences. Uh, so that's just, I think something that's really helped. And then setting those, I don't want to say I set low expectations because it sounds really rude, but I don't know. I just, I don't set high expectations of people. And I think that really helps because then it helps my mental state, helps my mental state. Cause it, we, I don't have to think, okay, this person's going to like go on. I'm, I've asked them to do, you know, whatever thing. And I don't expect them to come back having done it perfectly. You know, I expect them to come back asking questions. I expect that, you know, it's, they're not going to do it the same way I would do it. And it just, I think, is such a helpful tool in my tool belt just to know that it's okay that things don't go perfectly to plan. And the more that it does go perfectly, the happier I am because it's just a pleasant surprise. <laughs> Ooh, that's so good. I have to, I'm, that is one of my biggest challenges in life is being kind to myself when I don't totally hit my very, very, very high, 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 high expectations of myself and what I can get done. Um, Because I personally have ADHD, so I will have like certain expectations of what I want to get done that maybe even are not that high, but then I won't get it done because I got distracted by something. (laughs) And so, (laughs) you know, I, I just, I, that has been like, especially as I become more aware about my having ADHD, it's been a even bigger thing. So you saying that it's like, Ooh, thank you for saying that because I think that people in general, we oftentimes are really, really hard on ourselves and there's only so many things you can do in a day. There are only so many things <laughs> you can do. And like you need to, you have to build in that time to rest, right? Like mentally rest and take the time away and just like whatever. Cause, um, you know, I physically, like I'm still a huge fitness freak. So I go to the gym quite a bit and like, I always want to be listening to podcasts and expanding my, my, what I'm thinking and hearing what's going on. But some days I just need to listen to some music that is like just going to get me through. (laughs) 
like my brain is fried. I'd, I can't do that today, you know, and whatever, like apply that same logic to any other thing. You know, some nights when I'm just like, for me, I need to chill out and like watch TV and not think about anything pretty much every night for at least a half hour, um, usually a little longer, especially during pandemic times. But I need that break to just, you know, let my brain not go 100 miles an hour. And just like decompress. That's really, really important. And um, I think that's, I'm so glad you're sharing that. So somebody out there can hear that. <laughs> somebody like me um, can hear that because that's, that, that's a big challenge is just accepting that rest is actually very helpful. It's a helpful thing, not just in terms of like your body recuperating, but your mind recuperating and allowing it to, um, come up with new ideas. Like sometimes I, I was just telling, I just, I just, um, I just got into the uh, mentorship program at, with the, uh, with the Grammys. I just got my Grammy voting membership. So I am a mentor for a, a young and aspiring musician. And so I was telling her um, that the other day, I just, I was working on a Saturday and I often do work on the weekends, but I had, I just, my brain started getting fried and I was like looking through, started looking through Netflix and ended up looking at this, this movie called Do Revenge, which is like a teeny bopper, you know. Um, I actually, watched it. I watched good, it. Right? It hits <laughs> on the so 90s, the great. 2000s. It hits on all the eras. It's just so cute. And what was funny is I had a session later the next week and I had to type, kind of tap into a teenage mindset to write a song. And boom, the 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 producer who was working with me was like, is that what a teenager would say? I'm like, yes, because I just watched Do Revenge. And not that that's the end all be all of what teenagers would say, but still. But you never know where your inspiration is going to strike from. So it's really important to take a break. So I, I, I think, though, that's difficult oftentimes for people. So what how do you like answer that voice inside yourself that might be like, you need to do more. There's more things that you like, you have all this stuff on your list that didn't get done today. And, you know, you're very excited about building and 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 super excited about what you're doing. So obviously, like that happens to me all the time. I'm excited about it. So I want to keep going. But how do you like, allow yourself to also know, like, it, it's it'll be there when I get back? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. And the definitely I try to take that inspiration, like you were saying, whenever possible and take that and run with it. And then when, because you do need that break so, so often. So to give yourself the grace of, you know what, like need the time, need to recharge. Um, again, like fitness is something that's really important to me. And like, as much as I say, I like going to the gym, that can also mean going for a walk with a friend. Um, you know, I try to schedule that kind of stuff into my calendar so that I'm forced to go and step away and take that time to reflect. And of course, like just listening to what, like, I think your example of Dear Revenge is great. First of all, it's a great movie. Um, but second of all, whether it's, whether you're watching a movie like that or you're listening to music, like I find exactly what you're saying. Like the, the greatest inspiration comes when you're able to not specifically focus your brain on something so to say like, it, hey, it's okay. Like I might, I might come up with this great idea while I'm watching a movie or while I'm listening to some tunes or while I'm going for a walk. Um, so to just be okay with it and to know that there's other people out there who are taking breaks too. They don't, they might, they're not going to post it on social media. I will tell you that much. They're not going to take a selfie on the couch that they're chilling and they're just watching movies all day. But 
<laughs> Listen, <laughs> they're doing it. Beyonce takes a break. <laughs> she de- she sits there with the kids and watches a movie. Maybe not as much as everybody else, but she does do. <laughs> I bet as much as everyone else. Here's the thing: we we're never gonna know. So like, why why would I assume that these people know like do all these crazy things that I don't do too? Like. They just got lucky. They just got lucky with their success. Well, that, so that's an interesting thing to touch on. Do you think it's do you think it's luck or do you think it's it's because we were going into having um, a keen sense of explore exploration and adventure? Do you think it has more to do with with luck or more to do with alignment with just allowing? Because um, I think a lot of opportunities. I know I have personally experienced opportunities that I didn't take because I thought too much about it. And I didn't just allow and go in and and explore and all the best opportunities have happened when I just allowed and explored and didn't try so hard. So do you, do you think it's luck or do you think it's alignment? I think it's a, a little bit of both. I mean, to get to like Beyonce level, there's a lot of luck involved with that. Let's be like very clear whether that's um, you're lucky because of the family you're born into, or you're lucky because of other factors that you don't really have control over. That is a huge thing that like, I just can't control. I don't, and I'm not a very lucky person. So I don't know. Um, you're, versus, you're doing some really cool stuff. Well, I think, <laughs> right, right. But I think it's what you're saying of the, um, you know, letting, letting the opportunities that are interesting to you, letting yourself explore that without putting that crazy pressure on of I'm going to do this perfectly the first time when it's something brand new to me, like that's, that's some weird thing that we put in our brain that I think, especially as women, we are raised to be perfect, right? Like I think back to elementary school and like, I don't know, I wasn't a very good student. So, but me getting like a C on a, on a test compared to one of the guys getting a C on the test I'm the, like, I'm the dumb one in this situation. Like for me, like, I don't know. I think that it, there's so much more pressure on girls and women to be perfect at everything they do the first time. And, or if you're not perfect to at least, no, I think it is just to be perfect, <laughs> you know? And there's some, and we, I think we have a conditioning of there's something to prove um, as well. A little bit of that plays yeah, into it. Yeah, absolutely. Like we have to, prove whether it's like that we are good enough, that we are um, womanly enough, or that uh, we're able to set all that aside. Now we're like manly enough to like own up to this thing or to take this role that um, is something different. I don't know. It's, uh, I feel like I've lost my train of thought. No, you know, I think. (laughs) Always go down like. No, I think when we were touching about, um, in terms of luck and luck versus alignment. I, I think that also what other, what I think what plays into it looking lucky, cause I, I don't, I don't, me personally, I don't believe in luck. Not that anybody else has to believe what I believe, but I think what we're saying is kind of similar though. I think it's also what we want in life. Like not everybody wants to be a Beyonce. Like that's a whole life of like no privacy. It's a whole world. Um, so we really have to define what success is to us personally. What does success mean to me? Re- and really, we should feel success at every moment, at every stage, because every time you reach one milestone, then you have a new milestone that pops up 
ahead. We that's what humans we're we're infinite creators. We're just manifesting new things, and then as soon as that's done, we want to do something else. So I think that it's it's something that we have to f- define within. What do you? So how do you like define success for yourself? Yeah, yeah. Actually, that um, has sparked. So one thing I realized when I was working at Good Life and. Um, because it's a fitness company, they're very goal oriented. Every conversation you have with your manager, it's like, okay, well, what are your next goals? At one point I was like, you know what? (laughs) I think I'm kind of done having these goal conversations. And I've told my current manager at Record Shop too, like I, I find it very difficult to set goals because often the goals are like, what's your goal for the next year? Like, I don't know what's going to happen in a year. Like my, my life has just been every year is so completely different. I've the amount that I grow every year, things that change. And like, I don't know, my role has never been the same for over a year. So (laughs) I find it easier for me to set like very micro um, things that I want to achieve. I don't want to call it a goal, but like very, very, because a goal seems much bigger to me, but like much smaller things like, okay, I need to get this. Yeah. Like the steps to whatever. And that can be simple enough. So I'm working with um, one of our local theater companies right now, uh, and we're trying to work on a, an accessibility program, and we're creating a visual guide to help uh, people with disabilities basically know what to expect when they walk into the theater because they can review this guide in advance. So the f- like first little thing is like we got to just understand what this is, like taking it literally one step at a time. Like let's go look at some examples. Let's go. Let's just take some time to learn what it is that we should be working to accomplish. Then we are going to like do up a little template, make sure we're happy with that. Like I've got, and, and I say we, but, and I do that a lot. Uh, I say we, but I really I mean the same me. Thing. I'm the same way. I'm like, <laughs> it's always we, even if it's just me. <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> so yeah, I've got, I have this little template ready to go and like ready to roll as soon as I get the like, yeah, we're moving forward with this. And those little things. Now I've got this great story of this cool thing I'm working on when to me, it's just been a a great learning experience. Um, And I think something else very prevalent throughout my career and throughout why I think I have had a lot of success is um, I call myself an uh, extroverted introvert where I really like, I struggle with um, small talk and like meeting people. And like one thing I've always struggled with and it was really tough throughout school was I don't like to share my opinion when it's not, when it's unformed. Cause I don't know, I need to learn about things first and like really dive in. And, um, I really want to, like, I want to sit back and hear other people's opinions and hear their experiences and have a more holistic understanding of what other people go through before I share my opinion. Um, and and I just like, to me, that's a much more formed and thoughtful approach. And that I think, even though that was really frowned upon in school, um, I think that's really helped me throughout my career because it gives me that time to reflect. Often my opinions are therefore based on, I have like more data that it's based on because I'm actually listening to what other people are saying rather than just saying, oh, well. I think this web page, when you click this button, it'll do this. It's like, well, actually, when we ask our users what makes like what how they want to use this tool, they want to be able to see this and this and this. 
now it's, I it's, not, it's not even opinion at that point. It's just like the facts. <laughs> um, so that is something that if, and I honestly think the whole, our whole world would do a lot better if we just took a little bit of time to listen to other people's experiences and base some of our, like the things that we want to do and, and how we build things based on those lived experiences rather than just what we believe to be right, because that's been only my experience. That's, that is just key advice for the world, especially people who have large Twitter followings. (laughs) Don't hit send (laughs) until you've thought about it a little bit more. Don't post that picture on Instagram (laughs) until you thought it about it just a little bit more. (laughs) The world would be a better place. All around. The world would be a better I'm not, place. And I'm not directing <laughs> that at any particular person. I'm talking to, about people in general who have very large <laughs> social media followings should take that <laughs> advice. Um, so, and it sounds like when you say that you don't like goals, what's funny is as you were saying all that, it sounded like you have a very healthy relationship to goals because ultimately you know what the end result is that you want with this theater project, for instance, but you're you're able to... You, you, you said it, then you put it aside and now you're focusing on the steps, which I think is what a lot of people have. I, I oftentimes have challenges with that. And once I realized that my brain thinks differently, I was like, okay, now I just, I will even like highlight a step. I'll write it down, write all the things I want to do down and highlight the one that I want to do first. So I just focus on that one step because you can't do all the steps at once. You won't make it up the staircase. You're just going to fall down. You really, really, you, you can't. So um, that's that's such a great a great skill. Thank you for sharing that because I think so many people need to hear that, like to just slow down, <laughs> take one step. And I think that really leads into this next question of facing challenges and obstacles. Most of us, all of us, will face challenges and o- obstacles along our journey. And there's really nothing wrong with that. That's part of the journey. It, it, it's it's not a very interesting journey if you don't have some um, twists and turns and it helps you grow. Um, but uh, how have you faced those challenges and gotten through that and overcome come them along your journey? Yeah, I mean, I think I've touched on a few of them already with just um, like one challenge for me definitely has been learning how to share my opinion and share those, um, to share that when I'm really not comfortable often, unless I've heard from other people, that's been a huge challenge for me to overcome the, another huge one. I, I, I'm going to again, put this on being an introvert, but I don't know if that's true, (laughs) but I had a very big fear of confrontation and like, I don't mean confronting someone, um, with a, an opposing view and like, I'm going with my fists up. That's not what I mean. I mean, even like I just can get very anxious even when it's something like uh, one of my staff members uh, aren't meeting their like just their regular expectations of their job. And man, that like is terrifying to me to have to talk to them about that. And that, for example, um, I took this really fabulous training course on how to break down specifically setting expectations. And I think that this thought processes really helped me with myself. It's kind of touching on everything we've already talked about, but setting expectations for myself, setting expectations for the people I work with, for my husband, for my interpersonal relationships, um, being, being conscious of when I have actually for real set an expectation versus when I think I've set an expectation. Those are two 
very, very different things. And um, I have taken a lot of time to reflect, especially anytime I'm really upset with somebody or, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Like, why did they do that? That makes no sense. Um, I would never do that. I'm like, okay, wait, did I actually ever explain to them how, how that should have been done or um, what, what I was expecting them to do? Usually no. <laughs> like, I find as, as I'm getting better at, at setting those expectations on the first go, I am now better able to identify like, okay, no, I didn't set it well enough. Um, and it, I think you kind of touched on it, but our brains work so differently. And we're getting, while we're getting better at diagnosing ADHD and um, autism and all of these other things that make our brains work just a little bit differently, um, we're, I'm hoping that leads to us getting better at communicating with each other and doing things like setting expectations and not being afraid to set expectations too. Something as simple as, you know, doing the dishes, you know, like let's talk about the stuff that we all hate doing. But, <laughs> you know, um, when I'm in the, doing a show at the theater, uh, my time gets very crunched in my real life and what I can do at home. On one hand, it's really not fair for me to have to, like, it's not fair for my husband to just know off the top of his head, like, oh, she's really busy. She can't keep up with the same level of chores that she normally does just because like I'm out of the house more that like, to me, that seems very obvious. Like, no, duh, obviously I can't do that, but not fair for me to assume that. Um, so it's, a, it's really helped shift my thinking and say, Hey, like I need more help. Um, I can't do this that I normally do. Can you help with this? And now it's not a question anymore. It's just been thrown out there. And I found that that has just helped our relationship so much because it's anything, any little thing that we used to argue about. Now I can, you know, I'm upset about this. Take a step back. Did I, did I ever set that expectation? No. Okay. That's not fair for me to assume. Now I can approach it from a different angle and hope that it doesn't repeat. <laughs> That's such a that's a huge thing to learn on the journey of life is how to effectively communicate. That's I think one of the biggest factors in most um, breakdowns in relationships is just communication and assuming somebody knows what you're thinking. So that's you know that's really good. Um, I just love it. There's so many good things that you shared um, that I think that somebody out there needs to hear it. Um, I know I needed to hear hear some of the, some some of these things as well. So I really appreciate you sharing. So what what's next for you? And I and I ask that very very um, like loosely because I know that we already talked about not thinking <laughs> about it too far <laughs> in the future. But but what are you imagining for yourself? You know, loosely. <laughs> I am super interested in exploring more in Web three outside of music. So I. I am not a music producer in any way. Uh, doing this stuff with Record Shop, it really interested me because I have this background in theater. Um, and I don't think I really explained it, but I have been involved in theater, in mostly community theater, since I was seven years old. Uh, my parents put me in a theater class because they thought it would help with my shyness. So, like, thanks, mom and dad, because it totally worked. Yeah, like I went to school for it. Like I absolutely love the theater and what it allows us to communicate and, and the stories it allows us to tell. And the reason I got into Record Shop is because I can see this 
this um, comparison between theater artists, again, especially in community theater, where you're not getting paid for your time. You put in hundreds of hours on a show. And if you get a couple hundred dollar honorarium, that is amazing. Um, Most of the time, you're just volunteering. And, you know, I'm so curious to learn how we can change that, how we can take people's passions from for specifically for artists and turn and make it so that you can survive and like do your art and that can be your main focus rather than like how am I going to pay my bills um so I just want to continue to explore how web3 can support different arts music theater oh and I really want to explore accessibility uh within web3 cuz I find um, the disabled community is just always left out of these things, always left out at these early stages. And that leaves a lot of, um, like, we're just, we're going to continue to make mistakes and leave them out if they aren't at the table and saying, Hey, it would be really helpful if this worked this way so that we can access it more easily. Uh, so that's something I really want to get into and dive into more because I don't see a lot of, Um, I see, I do see quite a bit of mental health advocacy, which like, I'm really, really, really happy to see. Um, and I really want to, uh, support all of those who are doing that work because that's so, so important. Um, there's just a lot of other disabilities that are being left out right now. Um, so I just want to see, or maybe they're not being left out. I just haven't found them yet. So I just, I want to dig into that more. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm right there with you on, um, how the technologies in this space can help foster that relationship between artists and the audience and the art lover. Um, I often say like we're getting back to that model of patrons um, of the art where uh, arts where, (laughs) you know, we're, we're seeing um, patrons, you know, actually donate to artists so that they can live and thrive versus um, you know, scratching for pennies on streams, you know, I think, you know, having someone collect a token to access your music, um, and you could still have it on public platforms for streaming, but then have that option for somebody who wants to collect that digital collectible, where there's more things that more, more things that they get out of it. Um, it could be as simple as just like a producer credit of just saying like you produced, you helped produce this executive produce this because you, you know, invested in this project. Um, it's more transparent and easier to do. So I love that you're, you know, and I'm, I can't wait to, uh, build with you. I think that's, what's really exciting is that we're all here, uh, able to build in a new space and it's really fun to get to connect in that way. Yeah, there are so, so many opportunities. And the one thing we always say is, or I always say, is, you know, we're really in Web3, we're really only limited by our imagination and our ability to execute. That's it. Like, if you can imagine it and you can execute it, you can do it. And Web3 has a way to do it. It's just finding whether, like, finding the right platform to do it on, finding the right people to do it with. It's so powerful and I'm so excited about it because I think it just puts so much power back into the hands of the artist rather than having to rely on a label or, you know, whatever that you have to rely on now. You can just like go for it, try it, 
see how it goes. If it doesn't work, probably no one's going to hold it against you. You can just try again. <laughs> You're so, so, so right. Um, so I want to ask you a couple quick fire questions um, just to, you know, we all get inspired by different things. And um, I think that it's great when we share the things that we get inspired by. So what is your favorite book? Uh, okay, books are a bit of an escapism for me. So I really dive into like fantasy and fiction. Uh, so I love pretty much anything by Stephen King. Um, I also have the full Harry Potter have read that over and over and over again. But I need the I need the fantasy. <laughs> I am with you. I love it. I, I, I think that, you know, I like nonfiction. And I feel like as I've progressed in my journey, I've read more nonfiction to understand people's journeys, but I am the same way. I love um, <laughs> fiction. That's what, that's where I started as a, as a bookworm. I feel like people, people always have like these brilliant, smart answers for this question when I was listening on the podcast and I was like, mm. <laughs> no, I'm glad you just I need, did you. I need you the do fantasy. you, Lisa. This is a, that is a brilliant answer because that's where you find your inspiration. So that's a brilliant answer. I love it. Um, are there any podcasts or video series that inspire you? Yeah, right now I am really, really enjoying the Nifty Chicks. They're a great intro for especially women who want to learn more about Web3. Um, they talk about the things that they love to collect and they have some great guests on. Uh, so they are currently, I'm always listening to their new episodes. Nice, nice. I noticed there's a lot of people in the Web3 space that use Nifty in their name. I don't know if there's a reason for that. Oh, yeah. I just side note because uh, it's like NFT. It's like NFT. Oh, is that why? Is that why? Wow, that was really I easy. Assume. Why did I miss that? <laughs> That's so true. Okay, now I get it. I get it. I've been wondering. I'm so. You know what? I'm not ashamed to say that I. That was the first time All I good. really got that All in good. my brain. Because when people spell it, they'll spell I'll it with lowercase. They'll spell it like capital N and then F T Y or something, or even with an I. And I'm mm. like, I. I don't know. I, it never went together. Anyway. Moving on. <laughs> I love that. Um, so what's your best resource for tech? It could be like someone you follow or. Ooh, uh, okay. Again, just following the like women in Web3. I really am enjoying Brooke Lacey's feed on Twitter right now. Um, so I try to follow her as much as possible. She's in a bunch of spaces. I really like her, where her brain's at. Um, but again, like podcasts, uh, you know, I just mentioned nifty chicks, but I have a lot of web three podcasts that I'll cycle through and, um, throw them on when I'm in the gym. I think it's a great time to do it too. Cause my, my body is busy, but my brain is free when I'm at the gym. So it's a good way to, um, just to tune in. I, I can really focus on it. I find I can't, I can't like multitask. That's not my thing. So I can't listen to a podcast while I'm working. You're right. You're right to be that way. We're not, we're not human beings or we're never meant to multitask as much as we multitask. So I hear you that I hear you on that. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm going to ask this question, but I feel like I already know the answer. Um, but what is your favorite hobby? Definitely the theater. Um, so for those who don't know what I do at the theater, um, the, I started as an actor as a young kid, but moved on from that quickly. And uh, I do a lot of stuff backstage. So I'm a stage manager. Um, and I've just recently started tapping more into the design side. And now I'm doing some lighting design. So that's really fun. I get to hang these really heavy instruments and program them. And um, I absolutely love doing that. And it's been a 
good challenge for me over the past year. I love it. That's so cool. I did not know that. And you know, what's funny is, yeah, I was thinking in my head, she's going to say either theater or working out <laughs> or fitness. Those are the things. You're right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, I always love having conversations um, and after the conversation, you know, it was good when you kind of have a feel for what somebody's into. And that's how I felt when I was like, I already know what she's going to say, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, though. I, I, This has been so amazing to connect with you. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. So thank you so much for doing it here on the Women in Tech podcast. <laughs> um, where can people find you, connect with you? And um, also, where can people find Record Shop and connect with Record Shop as well? Awesome. Yeah. So you can find me on, I'm on most platforms as Redbird Lisa. Um, Twitter is probably the place I'm most active right now. Um, LinkedIn, I'm available there too. Lisa Cardinal, not Redbird. But uh, then Record Shop is app.recordshop.com. And again, on all the social media platforms as Record Shop, um, that's usually me or one of my other cohorts uh, who are on those. So hook up with us if you want to learn more. We are happy to talk about it all day. Um, I know we didn't dive too much into exactly what Record Shop does and what it can offer. So I would love it if you check us out. Again, we're happy to chat. Yes. And how can the community support you? How can this women in tech community support you? Mm, that's a good question. I was not prepared for that. I would love to connect on LinkedIn. Um, you know, again, I'm trying to seek out some new opportunities to uh, expand what I'm able to help with within Web3, especially if you're doing anything in the theater realm, if you're doing anything with accessibility for individuals with disabilities, I would absolutely love to talk and learn how I can help with that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I know our listeners will enjoy it as well. And um, I can't wait to continue to build with you. Yeah, me too. I can't wait to have you on ours next week on Twitter Space. Yes. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast today to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech around the world. Remember to go to womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello to us on socials at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. You can also say hi to me at Felice Lazay on all of those socials as well. And we will see you in the next episode. Remember to take good care of yourself and always, always, always love yourself. Have a great day. Hi, this is Redbird, a.k.a. Lisa Cardinal, community marketing and product at Record Shop. Record Shop is a digital collectible platform for music. I'm based in London, Canada, and you're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.